Hi, and welcome to the 50 Shades of Food and Nutrition podcast, hosted by me, Isa Robinson. I'm a registered associate nutritionist, nutritional therapist, and certified intuitive eating counsellor working in private practice based in London. I believe that the way in which we think and feel about food is just as important as what we put on our plates, and that all foods can fit as part of a healthy and balanced diet. When it comes to our health and nutrition, no one size fits all. This podcast aims to get at all the nuances, the cracks and crannies, and the 50 shades of grey when it comes to what it means to practice authentic well-being, hopefully helping us all to feel a little bit more empowered and at ease about our health. Of course, this podcast is purely for educational purposes and not a substitute for proper medical advice and treatment. Right, let's get to it. And welcome back to the 50 Shades of Food and Nutrition podcast. I just wanted to start by saying just how grateful I've been for all of your kind words and comments. I really can't tell you how much they mean. Being totally honest, you know, putting this out there has been really nerve wracking for me. And I know that my inner critic has the tendency to pop out. Um, So it has been really um, amazing to, to read all of your kind comments and also to, I guess, hold a little bit of space for myself as um, I put something new out and have a go at something new as well, which can be scary. Um, so, so yeah, just, just a thank you. And on to today's episode, I am really excited about this one as this week we are talking all things the new, new normal and navigating some of the challenges and anxieties about the world opening up. So if you're feeling bittersweet about things, please know that you are not alone. And I'm hoping this podcast episode might be helpful. It is also with great pleasure that I introduce today's guest, friend and colleague, Anne Hayes Aligned Nutritional Therapist, Keisha Thomas. Keisha and I both met whilst working at a private eating disorder clinic in London, and we have remained friends ever since. As well as being a nutritional therapist working one-to-one with clients in eating disorders and disordered eating, Keisha is also a Pilates instructor and is currently studying for a Master of Science in Sport and Exercise Nutrition. Keisha's ethos is on helping you achieve authentic health without obsession, which is what we are all about here at the 50 Shades of Food and Nutrition podcast. Keisha is also passionate about anti-racism work and especially in the area of mental health in the black community. I couldn't think of a better person to have this conversation with. So thank you so much to Keisha and I hope you love this episode. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to introduce our sponsor, Linwoods. At Isa Robinson Nutrition, we are all about gentle nutrition, a concept taken from intuitive eating, which is about considering our taste buds in matters of health and nutrition. And it's really about where we can blend nutrition information and guidelines that we might get from places like Public Health England or the NHS with our own taste preferences and kind of what we feel like and what we know to be true and feel good in our own bodies. And of course, doing this with plenty of kindness and compassion. Gentle nutrition is really about thinking what we can add in rather than taking out so we never feel restricted or that we're depriving ourselves. 
In the spirit of adding in, something that I love adding into my breakfast in the mornings is Linwood's flax seeds or their different combination of milled seeds. And they do a really great one with cacao and mulberries. Not only does it taste delicious, but it packs in a punch of up to five different plant-based foods. And we know that increasing diversity of plant-based foods in the diet can be really beneficial for gut health. It's also a really rich source of fiber, which can feed the trillions of bacteria in our gut that produce short-chain fatty acids and confer numerous benefits to our mental and physical health. It's also rich in magnesium, a source of protein, and contains essential omega-3 fatty acids, which can help to reduce inflammation and support brain and mental health. I'm also loving Linwood's new crunchy seed clusters, which add some seriously good crunch to yogurt, cereals, and porridge. You can find the whole Linwood's range on their website at Linwood's Health Foods and their many stockists, including Asda, Sainsbury's, Tesco's, Waitrose, and Holland and Barrett. Massive thanks to Linwood's for being part of this episode. and welcome to the podcast how are you doing today I'm well thank you so much for having me doing really well how are you I am good thank you uh really good really excited to have you and really excited for this conversation because it hasn't been long uh it wasn't long ago that we were recording our live for eating disorders awareness week which is on instagram if anyone wants to go um check that out mm-hmm, so good conversation really to be having a, another conversation with you for the 50 shades of food and nutrition podcast um but keisha before we kind of get into today and what we're going to be talking about i was wondering if you might be able to introduce yourself and say a little bit about all of the work that you're doing Sure. So um, I'm Keisha Thomas. I am a registered nutritional therapist and a Pilates instructor. I work mostly uh, with an eating disorder recovery, um, recovery from chronic dieting and body image issues. And that, and I use my Pilates and nutrition work for, for both of those things. Um, I work from an anti-diet perspective and through the lens of health at every size. Um, a lot of the work that I do Alongside my, um, my, I guess my day job, I do a lot of talking about anti-racism um, as well, and particularly with focus with mental health within the black community. There's so many um, amazing and meaningful things that you're up to, Keisha, and uh, it's been amazing to have had the privilege of actually working alongside you in the past um, when we were working in the same clinic. So I know yes. that you do such amazing work um, and are so um, skilled in all of that as well. Um, So we were thinking off the back of kind of your area of expertise being kind of in eating disorders, um, disordered eating, health at every size, um, mental well-being, of having a bit of a discussion today around lockdown ending Mm. um, and how this might be a little bit bittersweet for lots of individuals out there. how are you feeling about it? You know, um, it wasn't until you you asked that question and I thought to myself, do you know what? It, I see what you mean about the bittersweet because part of me have been, has been very much, I can't wait to get back out there. I miss, I'm a very social person and I miss my people. <laughs> like I just miss <laughs> my friends, my family and I cannot wait to genuinely, I can't wait to go and sit in a beer garden as, yeah. as, as much as it may sound, right? But then I also think about what lockdown has allowed me to do in this past year. I've been able to move my business online, which is something I always wanted to do, but I was almost forced into it. 
Um, and now having done that for about a year, I'm like, well, do I want 100% be online and sort of having to think about, okay, now what's that gonna ha- What's work gonna look like coming out of lockdown? Um, but I would say overall, I am, I'm ready to be out in the world. I'm really missing variety. I think that's, I think that's the word that, everything just feels so monotonous at the moment. It's a bit of a rinse, repeat every single day. Um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the nutritionist who doesn't do all the cooking, right? So I, I cook, but you, you go on my Instagram page, you're not gonna see recipes from me. I'm very much bish, bash, bosh, in the kitchen, out the kitchen. So to be in the kitchen three times a day, cooking all my meals, you know, aside from deliveries and all the rest of it. I just can't wait to be back in the restaurants, basically. And just have that, just have that freedom of like, I don't have to be responsible for all of my meals. But you know, it's, it's really not my vibe. So I'm looking forward to having more variety in life, really. I love that word variety because mm. Um, such an important word in kind of um, holistic well-being but particularly in like nurturing that healthy relationship healthy in quotation marks relationship with food right I'm always um, talking about variety um, with my clients in terms of like food but also in in all of these other different um, areas of well-being and like hobbies and, and all those sorts of things as well and I couldn't agree more um that sense of just being so excited to get back out into having these little things punctuate the week whether it's Mm. like meeting a friend in a restaurant or or drinks or like yeah just having our our freedoms back a little bit and at the same time I'm a bit like you said reflecting on some of the um the the things that this year has maybe opened up um or perhaps um kind of offered this moment of reflection in some ways I know for me like boundaries like work-life boundaries had been really important where there was no sort of break between the working day and the weekend Mm. or or the week um and also yeah just really thinking about things that we might have taken for granted in the past so it does feel like um uh, a bittersweet sort of moment as we think about adjusting to a new new normal Yes, exactly. Once again, another new normal. It's just, yeah, what, and also not, and they're not really, and having to just sort of take it as it comes. I think that's the important part as well. It's like, we don't really know what this new, new normal is. <laughs> We've got another new in there now, but yeah, we, we don't really know what that's going to look like. <laughs> yeah, new, I like it, new, new normal. Um, yeah, so having to just like take, not, not, you know, looking quite, quite close so you don't have to look too far ahead because we just don't know at the moment so we just um we plod along (laughs) I like that as well maybe not worrying about the next few months but just really taking it day by day one foot in front of the other um as we have uncertainty um about what the next few months might hold um and it's also very much out of our control as well and and perhaps being a little bit accepting of that too absolutely absolutely And Keisha, we've seen um, from research and perhaps also in our own experience of individuals reaching out that there has been a huge surge in the individuals um, reaching out for support um, for help with eating disorders, disordered eating. Uh, We've seen in research that for individuals that are already impacted by eating disorders, um, I think studies have shown that for nine out of 10 symptoms have worsened Mm. so we've seen that for um, I think mental health in in general but also within that eating disorders the um, huge 
kind of consequences of the pandemic and lockdowns. And I was just wondering um, if you might be able to, to speak to that at all um, from, from what you've noticed or observed. Yeah, and I think we've, I would, I would even look back to this time last year, because I think it, it, from the off, it was difficult for people um, who had any sort of struggles around, you know, food, body image, because that was like the whole focus. Well, maybe, um, maybe I'm looking at it through a different lens because this is the world that I live in. Um, but it was food focused, body focused from the beginning. And it was, I just found it really bizarre that that's what people focus on in terms of the media, in terms of social media. It was all, you know, people focusing on this, on this quote unquote glow up. And it's just like, we've just gone into a pandemic. It's not about a glow up right now. It's about us all actually just getting through this alive. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I'm looking at, survival. Um, but we had the situation in the supermarkets where, you know, people went and, and bought a load of food and, and there, was, there weren't things on the shelves and you weren't able to get into the supermarkets. If anyone's had these sort of food insecurities in their life, then that can be so triggering in terms of not really knowing, you know, can I get my, you know, for those who are, you know, mostly eating safe foods, for example, can I get hold of my safe foods? And um, how does that person feel about having all these foods in the house? You know, all of this stuff. And then there was just so much around exercise and I think that's why I saw a lot of people coming into my practice just have just gone way overboard with their exercise and more from a yes we can look at its surface level and think that it was all about sort of body and trying to quote unquote may have a transformation big quotation marks here right because we're, we're an audience people can't see how big my quotation marks <laughs> are here right there's that we can look at its surface level like that but also just the fact that we were scared like none of us have ever experienced this ever in our life so for those who didn't have any other way to cope any other coping mechanisms then it was over exercising then it was either restricting or emotional eating or doing something or other around food and so I think that's the sort of the crux of what made it so difficult I feel social media didn't help I think there was a lot of really unhelpful information going around on social media and it's very easy to point the finger there but it did have a massive role to play um I won't even go into the hashtags that were sort of trending around the beginning of the pandemic but if you think about how when we when we were put into this quarantine when we were put into lockdown put into quarantine we were cut off from our social connections which as humans we need to survive so we really only had social media a lot of us we had social media and then our immediate family around us for those who live with family so it's a very um it's a very sort of we had to adapt we had to adapt to that and that's that's quite difficult that's quite difficult if somebody's struggling with mental health anyway um i think the other thing that i've seen is people who have maybe difficult family dynamics living at home. So then being at home, being in those difficult family dynamics or just living at home with, you know, someone's doing all the wonderful work around intuitive eating and learn about anti-diet, but they might have mom or sister or dad at home who's just fully immersed in diet culture, which is easy enough to avoid when the world is, you know, turning normally, but really difficult when you're just in that 24 seven and actually not able to go out anywhere. So I think that was the main things um, that sort of came to my mind there. Um, and I think just also with the nature of disordered eating and eating disorders, that sort of being at home and being in and having very sort of um, ritualistic ways around food that was very easy to do in this situation because we're home and you know for many of us that was the case anyway food did become a little not so ritualistic but it did come a little bit routine yeah and if somebody's eating sort of latches onto that it's very easy for that to become 
just a spiral just a spiral and become quite difficult and stressful yeah I'm really thinking how if there's that tendency to be maybe be a bit more obsessive or ritualistic because there's no as we said those things that punctuate the week to kind of bring us out of that like maybe it's suddenly Mm -hmm. like a meal with friends which takes us away from that rule being laid down that it's very easy for that to become very entrenched and ingrained and when that's then being normalized by social media or maybe even praised um, by people in the family that might be steeped in diet culture or flatmates, et cetera, um, it becomes very, very hard to even be aware of or to break out of. Yeah. Definitely. And I guess I'm really hearing maybe there's kind of like two parts of, of this. There's perhaps that part, um, Rich might link to perhaps the um, uncertainty and the lack of control and the difficult emotions that were coming up and how mm. food can or, or movement can be a way to sort of manage those you know something I'm also thinking about is how there was a lot of uncertainty around jobs you know um, was there going to be furlough you know was there going to be financial compensation at that time would somebody get their job back that is incredibly anxiety provoking and stressful um were family members going to get ill were relatives actually sick with this illness you know all of these kinds of things where um we don't have very many kind of we might not have lots of coping strategies available to us and if somebody is already um experiencing an eating disorder it's a very obvious way there to numb out or to push down feelings with food Mm -hmm. so there's sort of that side of things um and then I also think there was kind of the, the very specific focus on the food and body and exercise from sort of the media, social media, filtering in as well. You know, what really struck me was how it seemed like in those, in or in a lot of the pandemic, but also the early days, like one of the biggest, biggest fears was that somebody might gain weight versus yeah. somebody might catch this virus that's potentially life-threatening you know that to me was really like a wow this is a very very toxic culture we're living in yeah definitely I mean yeah exactly you hit the nail on the head there like the thought that weight gain would be more something something to fear more so than a virus that could cause well death or you know if not death then in some cases very long-term health difficulties and it was almost for me as someone who's just very sort of like, well, if we're in a lockdown situation and we're not moving as much as we used to, it's, it's, an, it's, it's, it's not unusual that our bodies might change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, this, and this sort of pressure that people felt to prevent that very natural thing that our bodies would do to keep us safe and nourished this sort of pressure that people felt to to suppress that and to go against the the body's own wisdom of, I can keep you safe. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that's really bringing up um, something just in general that I kind of like love to um, speak to my clients about, which is this very normal and natural change. And I imagine that um, many sort of toddlers and babies um, kind of born around this period or maybe were one, two around this period, bodies over the last year have changed a great deal right like when this tiny baby comes out (laughs) body in in a year like almost I think it's like doubles or triples in size but because in the culture still thankfully that is seen as sort of normal and expected and okay and maybe even like praise like we might say to children look how big you got and it's Mm. it's kind of in this sort of positive way which normalizes that normalizes that change that's fine but 
somehow when we get to further up ages, even though our bodies are dynamic beings and they're still changing and COVID or not, all of our bodies would have actually changed in some form with sort of skin cells turning over or hair yeah. turning over in the last year, because that change is wrong or shameful or bad. We're attaching all this emotion onto it because it's not necessarily that we feel painful changes in the body. It's all of the emotional stuff that we attach to that and that the culture is also attaching to that. God forbid, you know? Yeah, totally. It's is the message we get. Yeah, I, lo- I love that analogy, actually, of like children going and that is very much praise. And it's just this, but, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, there's the fat phobia element, but there's also the ageism element as well like this thing of like you know as we age our bodies do change pandemic or not and it's almost this idea that we're supposed to have just kept the body that we had when we were I don't know 18 or something I don't know what they want us to do like it it doesn't make sense can we win um yeah it's just it's it's crazy like actually our bodies will have all changed and would have done um pandemic or not but just how much there was there I think is is so problematic and actually I think we're starting to see a lot of that as we come out as well I don't know if you're starting to notice that at all yeah definitely I I think there's a lot of pressure um on people to quote-unquote undo something Mm, um and I think the messages to be fair, I mean, I will say, so um, my gym reached out because obviously they're, they're reopening in a few days time. And they, I, I guess they're trying to also limit their own numbers of people in the gym. And they kind of like, you know, if you're anxious about coming back, you're welcome to freeze your membership until I think they said August. And I was like, ah, that's actually quite pleasant to see from a chain gym, like quite a big chain um, that they're actually saying to people, do you know, what? if you're anxious to come back, you can wait until August. I thought that was quite a nice message, but I know for sure what I see within the diet culture you can't escape it it's everywhere it's you know people have something that needs they need to undo now and it's just like can we just take several seats we're just trying to (laughs) ease our way back into the into the new world yeah I love that 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 you're that you got that message um from the gym um and I think that's a nice message that we can all hold and it might not be if we're anxious it might be this sense of maybe I'm not ready yet for for that um and it's interesting you you mentioned the sense of having to undo something I see a lot of like are you ready are you ready for this date as though you're suddenly like on a catwalk and the only thing that maybe your friends or your family you haven't seen in a while are waiting for is to see you know your anatomy um from the outside like the shell of you rather than to hear your voice give you a hug um Mm. speak to you hear about what you've been up to what your plans are um it's quite scary how diet culture reduces us down and reduces our worth and our value down so much to just being like skin effectively or 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 a body a physical body yeah absolutely and I think it wasn't until I really started this work within ED recovery and you know, recovery from chronic dieting that I just realized just how much people talk about desires to change body or changing body or someone's body or this celebrity. I'm just like, whoa, like we must have so much more that we could be talking about 
right now. And I think it's it's so important for anybody who, you know, it's it's inevitable that we're going to come out of lockdown. These conversations are going to be there. And, you know, to anyone who's listening, it's just making sure that you have really firm boundaries around that. You know, with you know, pick your battles is what I say, because there are times when I'm just like, I can't be bothered to shut it down. So I just let it rant on and then let it fizzle out and then just don't really give much of a response. Or sometimes I just shut it right down and be like, oh my gosh, could we just talk about anything else? Because I do this all day. <laughs> Actually, you know, this is my job. So I don't want to do this outside of work as well. So, you know, you know, it's just really important that people feel that they have that giving themselves that permission to put those boundaries in there, to shut down any diet talk, any body talk, you don't have to engage in it. You can, if it's happening in the workplace, it's happening in the kitchen, you're at work and you're making yourself a coffee and there's two people having a good old diet chat, you know, like the good old, you know, just take yourself up and leave and come back and get your coffee another time. If you're not, you know, you don't have to go in and break up the conversation, but just give yourself that permission to not have to just sit there and endure it. Um, and we need to make it more normal to shut that conversation down because when you just think about how bizarre that is that someone would actually come to you with such a conversation it's a bit weird like you're not seeing someone in a year and you're going to talk about my outer shell like come on <laughs> didn't you miss me <laughs> no i i literally couldn't agree more and i really like that um having an exit strategy actually um because i think sometimes with boundaries that can be really you know laying down that boundary i often talk with kind of in advance, like I would like to, to um, invite people to sit down with maybe people that are, are kind of close to them that they feel comfortable having that chat with. Like, you know, I'm doing some some work on my recovery or my relationship with food and, and could you help me? And hopefully that person says yes. And then you might be able to say, you know, what might be really helpful is if maybe we could just refrain from talking about X, Y, and Z, you know, gym classes or numbers or mm. bodies. Um, and would that be all right? And we can lay down that conversation with people that, that maybe that feels, I, I imagine that it might always feel a little bit uncomfortable, but with those people that we feel much closer to, but with kind of random colleagues in the office or um, kind of more, more distant people like that, that's a lot harder. So I really like that sense of like having an exit strategy mm. and then even also being able to be like, have these things wash over us and maybe actually say to ourselves diet culture just to acknowledge um or indeed just to, to shut that down as well if, if kind of laying that out in advance doesn't feel like the best option so there's lots of different things that perhaps um listeners might be able to take in terms of setting those boundaries up to preserve our own energy and well-being um and space against some of these conversations that we might encounter yeah absolutely and it is important that they and it's great just to have all of those options as well and I think one thing I saw um Fiona Sutherland um mindful dietitian she's great and I she she had a quote over Christmas which really um I really took on board and I thought it was really helpful to relay back to my, a lot of my clients which was that you know when people one way to look is that when people do engage in that talk around bodies and diets it's often a reflection of their own insecurities as well which is why that comes about and sometimes it's just helpful to think of it in that way and that it's not this isn't you this isn't about you and your body actually a lot of it's their own insecurities about them and their body and we know how difficult that is and so sometimes that can sort of just help because it's easy to feel very and I do it automatically I feel very angry about sort of diet culture and diet talk but sometimes when I can sort of just reverse it a little bit and just think well hmm like what is that a symptom of because anyone who's been in that in that diet culture mindset, and I definitely have been, 
it's not a great place to be. It's no fun. So when you look at it from that perspective, sometimes it can just help just to sort of take a step back and just, like you say, label what it is and just let it go. It's not yours, it's theirs. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so important that we, rather than blame ourselves or blame someone else, hold compassion and look to getting angry with the culture, not Mm -hmm. at the individuals that are operating within it. And I think that's such a nice way of, of holding space that that is reflecting kind of their experience of diet culture and perhaps their, what's coming up for them in terms of insecurities and being able to kind of hold space for us as kind of the pawns in the chess game of, of diet culture, so to speak. Um, yeah. And something else that was, was coming up um, for me is also to anyone maybe listening to this, and it's really tempting, um, I think, sometimes. It's like a low-hanging topic of fruit conversation. That's often what I call it, which is like when we're not really kind of sure what to say. So we say something like, oh, my God, you look amazing, or you look this, or let me comment on your body. Um, and I just think that, like, any comments on, like, physical appearance, even if that's, oh, my God, you look amazing, have you lost weight, are mm. really harmful. Um even commenting maybe I think that there's also a sort of thing that commenting on a pregnant woman's body is just really okay and really normal and how much they're showing or how much they're not showing and again just really kind of taking stock to think actually can I move a conversation in some way that isn't focusing on someone's body because I think there's this kind of myth that actually if you tell someone they've they've lost weight that's a real compliment and I think yes that's what our culture says it it is but we don't actually necessarily know anything about how that person has got there is it actually a a chronic illness is it that they feel really um that they're struggling with their mental health and they can't eat is it bereavement is it an eating disorder Mm -hmm. Uh, and so often I think when individuals have been praised for losing weight um, it actually ends up being a real sticking point in recovery and working back to health as well. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think there's a real, I I think there's a real sort of um, almost like a pressure sometimes that people might feel because it's sort of the quote unquote normal thing that people do, comment on bodies. And when you don't do it, you almost feel like it's very clear that you're not, I'm not commenting on your change in your body actually. And it's almost like this elephant in the room of like, almost like, why is she not saying it? Because I don't comment on people's bodies. So no, you, you don't do it. It's, ne- it's never appropriate. And I love, I love the example of a pregnant woman as well. It's like, we just don't know, you know, looking at somebody's body, you know, changes. It doesn't tell us how that person is. It doesn't tell us how that person is. And if we really care about that person in front of us, we'll ask them, how you been? How you doing? How you been? How's lockdown for you? You know, really ask that person how they are, um, as opposed to just looking at them from the outside and just thinking that some, 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 any sort of change in their body or any sort of, yeah, sort of, yeah, looking at the aesthetic can tell you it couldn't tell you anything. It really couldn't tell you anything. Um, and so it's just important that people start to make that separation of seeing the person in front of you, but like actually seeing them. Yeah, yeah, I think um, you. Um, said that so well and and I couldn't agree more Um, Keisha when I invited in some questions on Instagram for this episode um, some of the ones that I got back were perhaps individuals that are going through weight restoration um, in the process of recovery from their eating disorder 
and perhaps feeling like they might be judged or feeling a lot of discomfort around that with lockdown opening up and maybe seeing people that they haven't seen in a while. And I was just curious if you had any thoughts or anything that, that you might be able to offer up um, to, um, I don't know, that, that speaks to that really for, for those individuals. Yeah, I think, you know, first thing I would say is that we, we would never ever know what other people are thinking. I think that's the first thing. A lot of times when people are feeling those insecurities and fear of judgment, a lot of it's coming from within and it's important to look at that and see what has been internalized. And, and, and again, it's that sort of thing where you sort of label the thought, oh, that's diet culture. Oh, that's, that's not my thought. That's, you know, this. And just making sure that you, yeah, in a critic, like just really separate yourself from those thoughts. And I think really, if, I think at this point, you know, we've been, I don't know if this is the appropriate answer, but I'm going to go with it. We've been living, I've been living in leggings for about a year. And I think there's something about going back into the real world where this is a wonderful opportunity just to refresh wardrobe, you know, buy yourself something new, something nice. And just if, if that's a way for you just to feel more comfortable, it's important that when whatever clothes that we wear that we feel comfortable in, and that's not to say we're trying to impress anybody, but that's for our own comfort and our own, you know, actually our own well-being. So if bodies have changed, I think it's important that we're not trying to squeeze into or, or wear things that aren't necessarily comfortable, feeling comfortable within our, on our bodies. I think another part of recovery um, is the sort of, you know, a lot of the stuff that can go on with digestion and how that can often sort of cause fluctuations around the stomach area. So just making sure that you feel comfy um, in the clothes that you're wearing. Hmm? I'm glad that you rolled with that. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I've got to go with the clothes angle. But I think, because we have no, we don't know what people are thinking. We really don't. And, you know, and it's none of our business, actually. If they're thinking things about bodies, then that's on you. Um, but we, we need to make sure that we know what's going on within ourselves. And yeah, feeling good in our, in our clothes. Yeah, and, and I think feeling comfortable in our clothes is, is such an important um, part of body respect. And I think the really key word there is comfortable. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it kind of like fits perfectly, it's that it's comfortable. Um, so that might be kind of just wearing things that feel comfortable for you, that, that um, allow you to feel good and to move with ease, whether that's around your desk in the office or around university, whatever that is, is, is really important. Um, and also this sense that we can't be in control of what other people are thinking and what's actually coming up for us um, versus how we might be judged. Um, and then also perhaps just um, considering that in the absence of, of diet culture, a lot of the time, which puts different bodies as, as a kind of good or bad or right or wrong or ideal or, or otherwise, that actually in the absence of that, changes wouldn't matter, just mm. like they don't from zero to five. And so this real sense, again, of, of, a, of seeing the culture for what it is and really kind of, I think, such a, a healing part of the recovery journey can be learning a little bit more when we feel ready. Um, there's no pressure, there's no right or wrong. Um, kind of learning more about diet culture, wellness culture, health at every size, and other systems of oppression as well, and how those link in. Um, for example, how fat phobia and racism are, are inherently linked. And I don't know if there's anything else that you, you would like to add to that. And that can be. Um, helpful part of, of the healing process as well and thinking about mm. how all bodies are 
worthy and bodies do change. Yes, I'm so glad that you mentioned that link between sort of um, fat phobia and anti-blackness and, and how that racism and fat phobia are actually linked in that way. And one of the things that really helped me in rejecting diet culture was this idea that I refuse to subscribe to any idea that suggests that there is a hierarchy of humans in terms of race, in terms of body types, in terms of ability, and you know all the other marginalized and you know and, and different ways that we can think about people and, and how we are. Um, and so, the minute that anything suggests that this body is better than that body, what are we really subscribing to? Because that's bit, that's part of a bigger message. That's part of a really it's part of a bigger message, and it just really helps us sort of like you say when people are ready because it's a lot to sort of digest. And when you dig into it, it's kind of like, well, this is a lot to digest. So when people are ready to look at that, really think about what, what the different systems of oppression that diet culture is actually feeding into. Yeah, yeah. And, and thank you for, for um, kind of sharing some of your experience of that. And, and I couldn't agree more. And I think as we uncover more and more of the layers, and I know that in a, an episode with Laura Thomas, we talk about this and we might come to, to one part, which is kind of different um, body sizes, and then we see patriarchy, and then we see racism, then we see homophobia, transphobia, um, mm. ableism, you know, and we start to, um, there, there's a lot a lot there, and, and as we kind of come to see it for what it is, it can be just very overwhelming, um, and that can, again, feed into really asking ourselves, is this a culture that I want to buy into. Does this yeah. help me? Is this helpful? Is, is this what I want to leave behind as well? Um, and I know we, we've kind of moved um, into a different area from what we were kind of talking about in terms of anyone going through that weight restoration process. But I think that this is here and it's important for us to, to acknowledge and be speaking about. Yeah, because I think, like you said, if it wasn't for diet culture, these changes wouldn't even be questioned. Yeah. Um, so just holding kind of space for anyone that is going through that process. And again, um, I think the reasons why we really are excited to see the people that we're excited to see are not because of their hair color or their eye color or their shoe size, but really because all of those things that are within their bodies um, in their spirit and their souls that are meaningful to us. And actually, I always like to do this as well. If we think about the reasons often why somebody might get on our nerves that we really love, <laughs> it's not likely to be because of their hair color, their shoe size, etc. It's because of these other things. Um, so I like to hold that in mind as well. Um, so Keisha, another one that came up um, is you talked about beer gardens, restaurants. I cannot wait. I have a question, but um, but for um, perhaps individuals that um, have more difficulties with their relationship with food, the ideas maybe of being in restaurants, social eating, um, not kind of being able to prepare every meal at home might bring up a lot of anxiety. Um, so again, I wondered if there were any kind of things that you might suggest or anything we could speak to in this area that might be helpful for anyone feeling anxious about that. Yeah, and I think it just goes back to honoring your own transition back into this new, new normal and just really thinking about where you're at in your recovery. It's so important that people take the pressure off themselves. You know, um, it's, it's not, it's not going to be helpful for you to 
feel like it's very easy to, to, to fall into that trap as well to feel like you should be in a certain place and I and the quote unquote should I should to be able to do it. and it's like no no let's just honor where we're at and every single week every single day however you want to look at it you just try and move that needle just a little bit more towards something that looks a little bit more free fun and easy for you and and that's and that's all we're ever trying to do so it's not about trying to launch yourself into situations that feel super uncomfortable um you know doing the planning around that as well so if you do have a, if you know there is a social event that is coming up for you and it is going to involve food making sure that you're getting support around that you don't have to figure that all by yourself you can speak with a nutritionist equally you can speak with a close friend who you who you trust and just think about what that's going to look like for you as an individual where you're at, at this moment in time so be so gentle with yourself um don't put the pressure on yourself to be in a certain place or to have to quote unquote perform um it's all part of a process and it, it takes time. Yeah, and thank you so much for kind of acknowledging that um, important part of just being really gentle with ourselves and where we are in our own sort of um, journey towards freedom. I really liked that you used that word um, because it's not having to sprint. Um, and I think if one is feeling anxious about it, that that's okay. And just having some acceptance around that, that this is, part of that moving the needle um, and to to know that that's not bad or it doesn't mean you're failing in your recovery process um, it might mean that that we can hold a little bit more space and exactly as you mentioned maybe put a bit more support in there and put a bit more structure in um, for example you know maybe really thinking about what you're doing before and after that in terms of just general um activities like maybe mm -hmm. having a distraction or maybe having something that helps you to alleviate stress um perhaps making sure that you have a clearer plan depending on where you are in your journey of what meals and snacks look like before and after that um so there isn't that temptation to be engaging in any compensatory behaviors um having an exit strategy again and not putting pressure on ourselves or chastising ourselves mm. if we aren't ready for certain things or if they don't go as planned yeah absolutely and I think I think the other thing I think of as well is how most of us I will for those who are missing certain um, eateries and establishments is maybe start to think about you know over these next few days before things really start open up again like what have I missed is it your trip to Pret, is it your trip to Lyon? These are obviously clearly my favourites, right? Um, you know, and, and what you might have missed from those places and just start to think about, okay, where would I start? Where would I dip my toe in? And it's always nice to start in places that matter to you. Not, not, the, not the biggest, you know, thing in the world, but they matter. I missed it. I missed that. And just like, maybe I'll start there. And what am I looking to try first of all? And maybe I'll just start there and see where we get to. Yeah, um, I like that as well. Um, not jumping in at the deep end, but putting a toe in and thinking about maybe different things that you have actually missed or, or things that maybe sound a bit different or maybe you'd like to try. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's, there's kind of coming at it from maybe a bit of a different angle whereby maybe previously restaurants and, and things felt really anxiety provoking. And then all of a sudden they were taken off the table and, and maybe there was that space to step back and think, oh, now that feels so far away. Is that something I would like to be able to do? And, and what might that 
offer to me in my life in the next few years? You know, is this something that I'd like to be able to do? Um, because it's about social connection even rather than the food or it's about celebrating a tradition or event that's more than just the food. Um, so maybe thinking about it from, from those kinds of angles as well, um, that there are so many benefits to our well-being and so many ways that we can be nourishing our well-being through these kind of more connected activities rather than just the focus on the food itself. Absolutely. So I guess that's a few, a few there. And um, the other thing I was just, sorry, I'm just, just one more thing. Um, <laughs> sure. And because I really liked that you said, what are you missing? And, and maybe even thinking about working up to that in the next week or so. Um, I know things I think start to open on Monday the 12th. We're recording this on the 8th of April. Um, but maybe even doing a takeaway, a few more takeaways or deliveries. So you can maybe have, do those in a bit more of a safer environment as a bit of practice before the real thing as well. That's a good one, definitely. Okay. The gyms reopen on Monday. I think this is going to have to be our last one, and I think they'll be open by the time that um, we release this, Aisha. But again, I think this is, is a big one. And I know we, we kind of touched on it briefly when you were talking about the message from your gym, but I'm curious if you have anything there, um, especially um, kind of because you do a lot with with movement in terms of your Pilates as well. Yeah, I would say that we have to be aware or mindful of the fact that we have had a year where movement may look very different for, for very different reasons. For some of us, it could it could have got to a point of where it became quite um, obsessive and increased in some ways and ritualistic. And for some of us, it could have just looked like it was a lot less. But overall, what I'd say in terms of our functional on our incidental and our day-to-day -day movement that has looked very different for everybody. Um, and when thinking about this from a bit of a Pilates teacher perspective here, but we we haven't been, like I say, doing that functional, I'm, I'm doing this, but you can't see, but that sort of that twisting and turning and that walking up and downstairs and that just that movement that we would do without even thinking about it that hasn't been happening. So we have to be so careful in just sort of launching back into the gym and then going, you know, quote unquote, going for it on a treadmill or on a whatever and going too hard, we're, we're likely to see a lot of injuries on the back of this lockdown, I'm quite sure. It's important that going back, you're thinking about, okay, first of all, what movement do I enjoy? Like, do I even, first of all, does it even need to, do I even want to be in the gym? That's the first question before you even start going into the gym. Do I want to be in the gym? Because it's not everybody likes gym, right? So do I want to be in the gym? What sort of movement do I enjoy? how can I slow it down so I can actually listen to and understand what's going on within my body? Like when I say like how slow you can go, like literally understanding like do all 10 of my toes articulate and move in the way that they should? Because I tell you now, if one of your toes are stiff, that has a, that has a ripple effect on the rest of your, you know, the way your um, biomechanics are and we're looking at injury. So if we really want to enjoy movement and do it, <clears throat> you know, long-term, we want to be moving well and in order to do that we need to slow it all the way down and really understand like am I enjoying this is this actually helping me you know on the physical and mental level is this exacerbating stress or is it actually helping me so the other thing I would suggest is understanding how do I know when my body is outside of its comfort zone how do I know what are the signs so is that you know for I mean if it if it you know, that could look like um, disruptions to periods. 
um, either loss of or irregularity, but that can also just look like I can't sleep. Like I'm trying to sleep and I'm waking up every two, not two minutes, but waking up every half an hour or it's taking me ages to get to sleep. So am I in that massive sort of um, hyper arousal state where I've just gone too hard, too much stress on my body? We've got stress in terms of transitioning back into normal life. We've got stress in just sort of general day-to-day -day life and exercise, over-exercising can also be an additional stress. So how do we know that outside of that place of, of, of comfort and safety and regulation, sleep disruptions, um, overly racing thoughts, so really starting to understand how the body communicates to us that it's in a quote-unquote good place. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so, so important. And what I might add to that, <clears throat> um, if you'd agree, but even like more gentle things like mm. um, feeling guilt for missing a workout, starting to have fixed numbers of sessions per week, really checking in on like external measures like um, steps or distances. I know sometimes mm. they're okay if you're gearing up for competition, but when we're compulsively checking those um, as a way to sort of quote unquote, evaluate our movement versus how we feel in terms of rejuvenated or kind of just like a sense of, of Zen, maybe if it's been a yoga class or just some joy if you've been out in the garden. Um, you know, all those, all those sorts of, of things. Um, not being able to perhaps miss a workout for hanging out with friends or if you're ill or injured or experiencing some pain. So lots of, of things to look out for there. And I guess the other thing that I love that you said, um, Keisha, was that it doesn't have to be in a gym. And just because the gyms are opening doesn't mean that you have to go. And that might not even be because you don't like the gym, although it can be. It might also be a real pause to think maybe that's not the best space for me right now for my mm. well and I think that can be really hard um especially if we've got that voice in our head that's telling us that that's exactly what we should be doing and we've got the culture saying that's what we should be doing to really connect to our own needs and where we are in our own journey and perhaps for the time being like rest and more time away from uh the gym or, or gym classes might be the quote-unquote healthiest um, thing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think if if you're at a, if you know the way that sort of critical part of you responds to them, if it's going to be more um, stressful in terms of comparisons. I mean, gyms. I mean, you can't you can't turn around without there being a mirror in your face. So if if all that is just not for now you're not ready for that, then just give yourself that time that, trust me, gyms are going nowhere. <laughs> They'll be there when you're ready. <laughs> yeah, and you can reap all of the benefits of movement when the body's well fueled, well nourished, well slept, and we've got that baseline without being in lycra and without being in the gym, if that 100%. feels more enjoyable and more um, conducive to well-being for you as well. I'm just really giving out that message, I think. Um, to, to cut through some of what we get everywhere else yes and also just the, I think rest if we can just really highlight how important rest is um and taking that time to rest and rehabilitate and just really rejuvenate like I think that's so key and I don't, I don't think I I think rest is maybe my thing I talk about rest I think every single podcast interview rest comes up but it's so important it's so important and um, somehow we live in a culture that makes 
you know, that diet culture can make people feel so guilty about rest, you know, this whole, whole sort of go hard or go home mentality. My gosh, we need to leave that in the 90s where it came from, like, let that go. We need to rest. <laughs> yeah, like even post pandemic, we will need rest. We will need Netflix. We will need to have time and boundaries, weekends of doing nothing. Mm. I think, and that's not lazy or wrong. That's so crucial for our well-being yeah absolutely well maybe Keisha this is a good time to pause and we um put a big star next to rest as the topic we'll have to get you back on for at some <laughs> in the future I really hope um I have absolutely loved this conversation um so thank you so much no thank um, you uh, I know uh, and I hope that our listeners and I'm sure they will take so much from um, some of, of what you have shared. I am curious um, if you might be able to let everyone know where they can find you if they want to learn more or they want to work with you um, in terms of uh, support for nutrition or indeed Pilates. Sure. So um, you can catch me on Instagram. I'm at Keisha Thomas or via my website which is keishathomas.com so it's the best places to to reach out to me <laughs> amazing well keisha huge thank you so, thank so much you. i'm so um happy that we got to do this um and i will hopefully look forward to speaking to you soon absolutely thank you so much for having me it has been a pleasure So that was Keisha Thomas in this week's episode around lockdown easing. Thank you so, so much, Keisha, for this really important conversation um, as we move into the new, new normal. Um, I just wanted to reiterate that for anyone feeling any sorts of different emotions in terms of coming out of lockdown, you are not alone. Um, and you are certainly not wrong or failing recovery or your work on your relationship with food. Um, so just echoing some of the conversation Keisha and I had, please offer yourself lots and lots of kindness, compassion, be gentle with yourself, um, go at your own pace and please reach out for support if you feel as though it would be helpful. Um, so that is all from me. Uh, from this episode and I will look forward to seeing you next time. Speak soon. Bye.